Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 46. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. I'm recording the podcast today from Fredericksburg, Texas, where we are getting ready for our first RV Entrepreneur Summit, which is just in a couple of weeks. It's insane that it's already here. We pulled this conference together fairly last minute. We started planning around November, I think, and we sold out. We had people coming from all over the country, some people who are flying in who haven't bought their RV yet, and a lot of people who are going to be driving the rig here. We booked out the campground, the Jellystone that we're staying at here in Fredericksburg, and it's going to be a lot of fun. If you weren't able to pick up a ticket for this year's conference, we're actually going to be Facebook live streaming out the the entire event, all the speakers, the panels, so you can tune in wherever you are. Obviously, you can't interact with people because you're not there in person. We're going to be doing some cool stuff on site like RV tours, but allow you to at least tune in and listen to some of the talks that are going to be happening from RV entrepreneurs over the weekend and some of the panels that they'll have. And you can actually interact with people through the Facebook live stream. If you want to make sure to tune in for that, go to the RVentrepreneur.com and enter in your email under watch Facebook live stream. And we will shoot you an email whenever the Facebook live stream begins on February 24th. We'll be doing it all weekend though, February 24th through the 26th. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Adam Newburn from NewVentureTravels.com and NewVentureCPA. Adam and his wife, Lindsay, have been traveling all over the country for the past year in Bernadette, their 2009 Casita trailer. Adam was originally the first guest on the RV Entrepreneur, Adam and Lindsay, and you can go back and listen to him and Lindsay talk about financial runways on episode two of the RV Entrepreneur. In this episode, Adam and I sat down to talk about tax questions, exciting, super exciting stuff, but this is something that has come up a lot, whether it's been in email or in our Make Money in RV Facebook group. People just want to know, what can I write off from my RV? What can't I write off from my RV? Uh, What's different about running a business on the road versus running one stationary? And there's a lot of nuances, and it's a fairly new area, and so much of this is a case-by-case basis. And so we dig into a lot of the nitty-gritty stuff. We kind of just dive into the weeds, and this is one of the first podcasts where we've actually brought a guest back. Actually, it is the first episode where we brought a guest back and dug into stuff that is below the service level. So a lot of the times we dig into guest stories, how they got started traveling, how they built up their business, got momentum. And I brought Adam back to get more tactical in this episode because I felt with tax season coming up, this is something that could be valuable for a lot of you guys who are out there trying to figure out logistically what you need to figure out for tax season for your business. And so we dig into a lot of that in today's episode. You guys get some good value from this episode. I know I did. I learned quite a few things that I didn't know. And Adam, just being an incredibly personable guy, uh, he's <laughs> actually, I'm not 100% sure what state Adam is from. I should have asked him before recording this, but he's, he's from somewhere in the South and he's got this Southern accent. It's very endearing. And I could just listen to the guy talk on just about anything. I know it sounds like I have a bromance for him. I promise I don't. But Adam is great. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. Awesome. We're live. Adam, thanks so much for being on the podcast with me today, man. Heck yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Heath. I really appreciate it. It's crazy to think that it's been a year since we last or first talked, however you like to look at it. But you were episode you were the first episode that went live that was not the intro episode. At because you were you guys are episode number two. So it's you guys are almost my first episode. It's kind of awesome. I know, it's crazy <laughs> to think about all that's happened in that year too. I mean I mean, folks have uh, seen us at a at a uh, music festival and recognized us from from your from that first episode, and I mean that meant the world to us. That was our first kind of hey, I think I know the moment, and made us feel really special. <laughs> and so, so I'm really grateful to 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 be on here again, and and uh, and just to be a continue to be part of the community um, as as we continue to grow. I mean, that's just something that's so random. So this. This guy named EJ, who was, I don't remember exactly what episode I entered. He's from the Javazin team. They they traveled around the country in the uh, in their RV and sold their coffee slash tea to a bunch of grocery stores across the country. And they were on that tour. And he happened to listen to the podcast when he was in, where was he at again? He was in Dubai. <laughs> he was in Dubai, like on an engine. No, 
Yeah, yeah, Dubai. Yeah, in, sorry. In Dubai on yeah. an internship yeah. and then came back to the U.S. after listening to it and then happened to run into you guys at a music. I mean, it's just, that's crazy. And te- technology's <laughs> awesome. It, it, it truly is, man. I mean, we, we both, like, we just pulled into our parking lot at Firefly Music Festival in Delaware and we parked up and they pulled right behind us and they saw our Out on New Ventures uh, wheel cover. And he was like, hey, are y'all these folks? And we were like, what? Are you serious? You know us? <laughs> so it was it was great. It was great. Amazing moment. Thank you for making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get a little vinyl stickle, stickle, sticker for our RV because we don't have one. But we were – it that doesn't happen very often for us, so that's cool that it happened for you. We were at a campground in San Marcos a couple weeks ago, and – we got out of our RV and there was an older couple that had parked next to us in their fifth wheel. And it's kind of one of those things where you start walking and they kind of start walking towards you and you kind of see them out of your peripherals. And she was like, I, I know you. She's like, I read your blog. And I was like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. That's maybe happened like <laughs> twice since we've ever been on the road. Mostly because we're, I don't know, we are we don't go out in public or socialize <laughs> as much as we should maybe. Um, and also just because our blog is not huge and most people don't know about it either way it's it's always cool like the three few times it happens it's a nice ego boost and you're like oh people that we've met online or something it's cool yeah it's really special yeah grateful for those moments totally so you guys now have been in your casita for how long for a year we bought it yeah a little over a year now we uh we bought it december 2015 we talked to you january 2016 before we Helped uh, Adam Kimball attempt his Guinness World Record cross-country run. We we did that. We helped him. He did it in 60 days. Uh, we were on Tiny House Hunters early last year. And then last year, we, we also went up to Vermont. And, and st- we were uh, National Forest Campground hosts in the Green Mountain National Forest up in Vermont for three months. And, uh, yeah, some other Southwest Virginia for a month and – Colorado for a month and a half so we've uh we've been hauling the casita around pretty good even more even more crazy than that our tow vehicle which is a 2002 Ford Explorer with 206,000 miles is still kicking so uh, <laughs> I mean sugar we nickname her sugar she's treating us really sweet so um it's it's great it's been it's it's been a wild ride for the year um you know and and too often we have a we have the ability we want to like say everything's amazing but the year's been hard too just like working long hours and um to be able to have this lifestyle you got to put a a lot of hard work into it and not everything's hunky-dory a lot of a lot of logistics and decision making and you know get decision fatigue and that's just part of it but we're we're figuring we hope we're making next steps to make we see a problem and we try to analyze it and make a adjustment and keep on moving and not to get too bent out of shape. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a wild ride. I love, I love that you guys have done multiple projects in your first year. Adam Kimball, uh, for those of you who haven't, haven't, didn't get to hear about that. Adam started on the West coast and then he, his goal was to run across the U S in the fastest time, right? Yeah, exactly. So we were, we were on part of the support crew for him. So that simply meant like, just doing whatever he needed done, washing his clothes, finding water, grocery store, finding a spot to sleep as he went across the country on average. I think his final average was like 49 miles a day. Wow. So we'd, we'd haul the casita you know, five miles at a time. And I did my tax season in the casita helping him going across the country. And we started in Huntington Beach and ended in Tybee Island, Georgia. So, uh, I struggled. So yeah, was... I struggled to just get my ten thousand steps a day. Yeah, I know that dude. That dude is not only a freaking nature when it comes to being an athlete and what he did, but the amount of positive thinking and the huge smile and just his presence, like his. Uh, I mean, he's just a, just a great, great, great person, and the and the, everyone else on the support crew was amazing too. I mean. Gosh, we made such good friendships. So that was an amazing project to be a part of. And uh, yeah, now he's on the wheel on Discovery Channel every Friday night. He's what? out. <laughs> yeah, this crazy. He yeah, he's on the he's this new 
this new ep- this new show where they go down to South America and and kind of like Hunger Hunger Games. Uh, they're in a you're either in the tundra or you're on an island or you're on up in the mountains and you stay there for like a week or a week and a half at a time and you got to figure out how to eat and sleep and drink water and then the wheel will turn and you go to another eco zone and uh so it's pretty cool to watch him every thursday or friday night doing his another challenge challenging himself he's a great guy that's insane and awesome yeah and i mean when a lot of people hit the road in an rv i know it was the same for us i don't know if it was for you guys we just wanted to be able to find a new place to potentially live and then it kind of turned into this lifestyle so there's this element of I'm going to explore cool places across the country that maybe have better weather than Texas or Georgia or or whatever. And, but, but you guys have also been doing that kind of in your work. You've been doing this project with Adam. You were work camping up in Vermont. You are doing tax season because you're CPA and, and all these other, other things. So there's kind of that element of exploring your career, yourself, whatever too, Mm -hmm. that you guys have kind of been doing, which I think is really cool. Yeah, man. Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to wrap your mind around and explain, but but yeah, that's just part of the excitement of this lifestyle as well. I, I want to get into the reason for today's episode, which is tax stuff. And I, I feel like I should have a more official name, but there's a, there's a lot of tax questions around just the RV lifestyle. And I want to dig into that. But before we do, I just want to know, what would you say from year one, was either the biggest mistake you guys made or just the biggest learning that you had in this lifestyle in your work or marriage or whatever, just the biggest thing you've kind of been thinking about, you know, struggling through whatever in this past year that maybe could be helpful for other people? The biggest, that is such a great question. Um, I think the thing that we constantly talk about is flexibility and how to make decisions without knowing the the absolute next step. So that's my vague answer. So I guess <laughs> I have to dive have to dive into it a little more. I mean, we're always with this lifestyle. You're always making a decision. You're always having to deal with some logistics, whether it's like where to where to dump your black tank or where to fill up water, or should we boondock and save some money, or should we go to an RV park because we have this amount of work next. And those types of decisions just give you really can allow you can make you burn out so quick. And when you get to that burnout level, it's not you typically take it out on your spouse. And so we've had to really analyze like how we need to be comfortable without knowing what that next step is and just trust in the Lord that the next plan is what his is and is perfectly made. And trust in ourselves that we have been doing this type of life for two and a half years now. And we're okay with not having all the answers right away because we know that things work out great. And then just trusting each other that, you know, we're, each other is, is only, we're on each other's side and we're trying to do the best that we can with what we have. So I guess to try to, wrap that up into a simple, more simple answer. The biggest thing that we've learned with this lifestyle is that it is okay without having all the answers right away to those next logistic questions or those next, you know, when is this, you know, where should we live after this lifestyle ends question or where are we going in four months question? Like we just, we can't have those answers and and that's fine. Become comfortable with not having those answers. Yeah, that that makes sense, and I think because I mean this will be th- uh, this spring will be three years that we've been RVing, and I now that I think about it, that was something we definitely struggled with in the first year or so, not knowing what was next, and and like you said, even just the day to day stuff, you know, where you're having to pack up the RV, go somewhere new, where are you going to go next, what costs are associated with where you're going next, what you know, how much mm-hmm. gas are you spending, does it make more sense to stay put? But then you came into this lifestyle to travel or whatever those happen to be. And I can say that for us, I think time has definitely helped. I think there's a built-in stress. There's some type of financial factor too that I think as we've made a little bit more money in the past year has been helpful in those decisions because the unknown factor is kind of scary, but I think throwing in some type of financial element too has made it more stressful at times if you know we felt like we weren't making enough money to go do certain things and that added into the decision fatigue. 
But I can say now, like, we kind of joke about the fact that we have maybe a, we know what we're doing for the next two to three months at any given yeah. period of time and kind of becoming okay with that. Even if there's just a few things on the calendar for the year, like we want to go up to spend the fall in Vermont this year. And, and that means we're going to hug the coast and maybe I have like a potential speaking gig out in, uh, in Virginia in May. So that's one little thing that we're going to do. And we've got our summit coming up uh, later this month and, in Fredericksburg. So that's another thing. And then there's going to be some travel built in around that. And I kind of, I know what work projects I'm doing, you know, the podcast campground, but whatever. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of, <laughs> at least for us, there's been that learning curve too. And, uh, if I think time helps with that, because I know we had a lot more stress about that in the beginning. And so I'm sure you guys, I don't know if that's helpful, but you guys, I'm sure yeah. will be sorting through that yourself and it'll be, good. I mean, the key, <laughs> the key there, the key there is thank you for the encouragement. I think the key there is just time, like you said, because what time allows you to do is re to realize like, hey, I had this similar type of situation previously and we got through it just fine and everything worked out great. So, yeah, it's just time. You got to allow you got to give yourself the permission to to uh, not have all the answers right away and, and time will, will, will solve that. Um, yeah, your answer was way more elegant than mine, but I was pretty <laughs> much trying to say the same thing. Like when we first started traveling, it's like we have seven months to go out and travel, a base of savings and a little bit of income coming in each month. And for some reason, there was this confidence that we exuded during that time that we're going to figure it out. We're going to, even with no traction, no idea what the heck we're doing, uh, we're going to go out and do it. And now it's like, okay, well, we've got income coming in, you know, for sure uh, all year. We've got way more savings than we did paid off more debt and you know all these different things like we have so much more going on and yet there's still a stress level there but if you look at it like oh this is where I was a few years ago and I made it work I don't know it kind of helps with that confidence factor <laughs> yeah so I hope this like so for folks that are listening for you know that haven't been in this lifestyle you know for two and a half three years like us I hope that it kind of gives you encouragement that you know it just takes like have have confidence in yourself and just give yourself the permission of time you know, be responsible with your runway, your 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 amount of money that you've kind of saved up, and and give yourself the permission to not have all the answers right away. And uh, another thing I wanted to point out was like, yeah, that's exactly two to two to three months is is our time frame too. I mean, this time last this time we're last year or sorry, in about the fall last year, 2016, I was like, yeah, we'll be in Arizona, and we're in the Panhandle of Florida, and then. <laughs> And then I was telling myself I was going to try to bike the the Continental Divide on the Tour Divide race, and I'm not doing that at all. <laughs> I haven't been on my bike in like a month and a half. So I mean, yeah, I sit, we just have to scale it back and only give answers to one to two, three months max of what our idea is at any given moment. And we're finally we're finally okay with that. So yeah. yeah. But by the way, random. I've been trying to find a friend who would be down to go bike part of the Pacific Coast Highway with me. Maybe we should talk about that. Man, I, did I ever tell you I biked across the country? Um, no, with, I didn't. Uh, we can we can take yeah. this off. We'll take it offline. But just something to to put in the back <laughs> of your pocket. I, I need a I need a bike buddy. Maybe the girls can drive the RV or ride bike part of it with us, and we could figure it out. But it, it'd be fun. <laughs> Lindsay's already prepared. She, <laughs> I mean, she was going to do that with me doing the, the mountain bike. So get Alyssa on board with the driving RVs and sounds like a winner. <laughs> All right. We're going to, we're going to shift the conversation to talk about the purpose of this podcast, which was tax questions for full-time RV entrepreneurs. But before we dig into that, I just want to give a little disclaimer uh, on behalf of Adam and myself, because we're talking about tax stuff. I know nothing about this. Adam knows a lot more than me, but you still have to give out a little disclaimer for anyone who's listening. So I'll just go ahead and jump into that real quick. The information and materials I slash we will share in this presentation, aka the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, is intended for reference only as the information is designed solely to provide guidance to listeners slash participants. It is not intended to be a substitute for someone seeking personalized professional advice on specific factual situations. Therefore, I, we slash strongly encourage you to seek the advice of a professional such as Adam offline to help you with your specific needs. 
Is that did I do okay? Is that good? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's good. It's kind of ridiculous that we have to say that, but <laughs> my liability insurance company told me I have to. Our listenership <laughs> probably just dropped off big time. Someone's listening to this and they like on a plane or something, and then they just started snoozing during that paragraph. <laughs> anyway, uh, I know so, I would. so I wanted to have you on because there's a lot of people that are constantly asking tax related questions, and so maybe we can start off just by you sharing how is it different running a business. Uh, remotely in an RV versus somebody who's stationary? Like what are, you know, like why does it matter? Why are there so many people confused or have so many questions around this? Maybe you can just jump in and kind of with that high overview stuff. Yeah, I think think that's a great intro. So the reason that it's different is throughout the IRS code, the rules have a lot of the same, or throughout various rules, you'll constantly see this, these words, facts and circumstances. So the reason that it's so different in the RV lifestyle is our facts and our circumstances of our life and how we make decisions in using you with, as we, how we make decisions with our business are constantly, are constantly changing. First of all, from each place that we go and they're just totally different than other types of lifestyles. So big picture, the reason that it's, it's so different. The RV lifestyle when it comes to taxes is because our, the facts and the circumstances of our specific lifestyle is so different than kind of a, a more sticks and bricks lifestyle. Yeah, no, that, that does help. So for instance, if you file a LLC in Texas and there's certain tax regulations around a business in Texas and then but then, and then you stay there, you kind of know what to expect. You're running your business. There's certain, like, I guess, situations around that because you're in Texas that you kind of know what to expect versus if you start going to travel all over the country, uh, it kind of changes that up. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good example. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the most common questions that people have? I have some specific questions that I pulled from our Make Money and RV Facebook group. But you had a couple uh, specific questions that people are constantly kind of asking as it relates to the RV lifestyle, and they have some confusion about. Can you dig into those? Yeah, dig in as in I'll I'll just give you the answers or the questions that the people are constantly asking me, and then we can uh, we can rip them apart if you want to. <laughs> but I really I really don't want to lose everybody's focus. Yeah, the questions that I get all the time are. Can I deduct my campground fees? That's the biggest. So what is the situation here? So let's just let's just use Alyssa and I. I'm going to selfishly, I wasn't planning on doing this. Let's just look at our situation so we can have someone to kind of take a look at for an example. So yeah. uh, Alyssa and I, we've been, you know, we travel full time or our business is we do video production for clients. Uh, so sometimes we'll show up to Portland, Oregon and stay for a month and or a, few, a week and, you know, film a client or go to Canada or Alabama or whatever, wherever we're having to work. But then we also make part of our income through sponsorships, like on the podcast, uh, work with companies like Winnebago to do content. And I don't like, I'm, I'm just giving the situation so people have context. So yeah. if we are driving to go stay in Yellowstone National Park and the sole purpose, actually, it's never going to be the sole purpose is business. It's going to be part fun because that's why we're doing this lifestyle, but we're also going to write a blog about it. Can we deduct those campground fees? So that is that is a great question, and my response would be to get more of your situation. Like, so do you solely live in your RV, you know, full time? Like, there is no house that you own, or there is no like place that you could otherwise call a tax home. The answer is we're full time. Obviously, yeah. Got it. So the, the word out there that needs to be established is what is your tax home? So if you are full time, like sure enough, you're constantly in your RV, then your tax home is wherever your RV is. And the IRS calls you, therefore, an itinerant um, because you're constantly moving and you're constantly establishing a different tax home. So that sets the foundation to try to answer, to try to give some, to, to shed some light on your specific question of okay so now i'm in tech so you're in texas and you get a phone call for a new project to go to portland oregon to do a video shoot so then you have to solely you have to drive up to portland oregon from texas and you're incurring all those expenses 
and then you do the video shoot. The problem that the IRS sees is that your tax home moved from Texas to Oregon. So therefore, they would my judgment of what they would say is you cannot deduct those that travel expense, that mileage from Texas to Oregon because you are moving your tax home. So that is why it's not a travel business deduction would be my suggestion with that type of example. Does that no, does that, that make sense? That makes sense. And we've never deducted campground fees or gas or anything like that because actually I can't say because of that very reason and act like I knew what I was talking about, but because <laughs> it, our home, like you said, our home is moving with us. And so I, there we've, we've kind of played on the safer end as far as things that we could deduct. So we just say that most of the time, but based off of your judgment, again, we're being so politically correct here because we don't want to steer people the wrong way. And if you have specific <laughs> yeah. questions throughout this, or there's anything that you have a you've seen different evidence based upon your experience. Feel free to reach out to Adam or I, and we'll give you our email at the end of the show. And that's the reality. Sorry to sorry to cut you off there. That's the reality is you will probably see a lot of different situations or evidence because everybody's situation is so different. The facts and circumstances of everyone's situation is so different, and that's why it just truly with that type of example that you bring up really just comes down to that individual person's situation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you would say that for campground fees and mileage, even if you're going there for a predominantly business reason in your RV, because it's your home, it's not your second home, you can't deduct those. But the situation changes if you have a home, right? Yeah, yeah, check this out. So how I would say another option would be, I mean, you're in Texas and you get that call to Portland, Oregon, and you fly to, you, you leave your RV in Texas because that's your tax home and you fly to Oregon and you do your thing for the week and then you fly back and you continue living in Texas in your, in your home, right? In my judgment right there, your tax home stays in Texas there, and you simply did a business trip and you incurred flights to Oregon and back and you continued living at this at this campground, in my judgment right there, I would say that that's a business deduction because you never moved your tax home. You simply did a business trip. Um, and like, you know, if you were to get audited by the IRS and how are you going to support that type of judgment? I feel like having saying like you you stayed at this rv park for like three months and you have like these receipts that say well i got the monthly discount i i, I paid the utilities and i kind of established my i fully established my tax home for three months in this rv park and yes throughout in the middle of those three months i had a week business trip out to oregon but i came right back and i continued living here i feel that that type of example is one where you would have a business deduction hmm. for travel. That makes sense. So, yeah. How the, about that for diving <laughs> into the wormhole? Yeah, getting into the weeds. So it's, I mean, it, something that I, I would never think I would say, but it's kind of an exciting potential thought. And I, I, I use exciting and tax uh, tentatively together. Uh, but yeah, if I as had, well as you should. <laughs> yeah, if I had a house somewhere, and Alyssa and I got an apartment or a house or something at some point, but we still RV'd. And say when we left the house, maybe we rented out on Airbnb to create some extra income, but we were going to go somewhere for a month or two. And the the purpose of that trip was to go out and uh, record videos on the road, maybe because that's part of our business, or you know, do a vi- you know whatever. And we were on the road for a couple months. Since we have a home, I guess it would depend on that situation again. <laughs> yeah, it just depends on that because yeah, then you're renting out that home, you know. So now you're you're getting into another little ball game of. Of rental income and expenses, so that's another. All right, let's keep mo- let's keep example. moving. <laughs> How in the weeds do we want to get? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's, I think it's helpful. Again, this isn't going to be applicable for everyone on who listens to this podcast because I know there's people who's interested in just remote travel, but it's something that is applicable for at least a large percentage of people who are running a business from their RV. So let's keep moving. Loan interest yeah. is the loan interest on my RV a deduction? Yeah. Uh, so. The loan interest on an RV should be a deduction. Uh, more like, Essentially, the IRS allows you to have to deduct on your Schedule A uh, mortgage interest, and then they, qual- they go in and say, what is a home? A home 
is any anything that has in their eyes you know, a kitchen, sleeping quarters, bathroom. So you can deduct mortgage interest, loan interest for a first and a second home uh, as long as it meets their definition of what a home is. And most RVs, if you have those things that I listed, kitchen, bathroom, bed space, as well as some other uh, some other fine details, most uh, situations should be able to deduct that. So if you're, if you're van lifing it and your van is under a loan and you don't have a bathroom, maybe you should buy a little porta potty or something. And yeah, I was just going to say that <laughs> example. Yeah, they have these little marine toilets that you can slide right up under a desk. I mean, if the tax man comes and hollers at you, then show you him that receipt, show some pictures. If he wants to dump your tank, that tank for you, then let him do it. <laughs> I mean, anything to bolster your 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 situation there yeah that i mean that's uh, a significant amount for many people you know being yeah. able to deduct the interest so we we chatted about this a little bit yesterday i recently read an article that somebody posted in the facebook group that talked about a court ruling against a couple who were living in their rv running a business from the road because i think they were trying to write off various expenses or i mean maybe you can dig into that a little bit yeah. because basically the court ruled against this couple and said you can't do this because it's your home so what yeah. what happened in that scenario? So the biggest the biggest takeaway from that ruling, and the biggest thing that needs to discuss needs to be brought forth, is that couple bought their RV through their company. That was the big difference there. They had their company buy the RV, and then they tried to use that as a as a business expense. Whereas when realistically, if any of us buy an RV, even if we're running our business from the road, like there's going to be a large percentage of the time that we're playing. Exactly. That that's, that's what the ruling stated, or that's what the ruling was, was really get diving into was that a RV in the IRS's eyes is personal in nature first. Um, so I mean, the name of it is a recreational vehicle. That's, exactly. It's it's almost it's almost like buying a jet ski and saying it's for business. <laughs> it's, it's, yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, so, so yeah, that was that was the biggest takeaway from me. Like, you just don't. Yeah, you, you the 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 loan interest deduction on your on your as an itemized deduction is is there for you, but but don't don't be trying to have your company buy a $400,000 class A RV and expect to fully write that sucker off. And I don't think that the the people in that example actually did did that, you know, expecting that fully, but but yeah, that was a big takeaway from that. Yeah. And I just wanted to I just wanted to say like, you know, yeah, we're getting into some pretty technical stuff, but my goal is just to is to give folks keywords to just start searching around to to try to understand a little bit of this yourself and and keywords that keep on popping up with these types of things are, are tax home, uh, itinerant, uh, your residence, abode, domicile, and then like itemized. So these are these are kind of some keywords that if you start googling around, you'll you'll come with some some more English language blog posts and which will, should refer you to some primary sources whether there's the state or the IRS. So that you can kind of dig into and start trying to get a grasp on your own specific uh, situation. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna dig into a few questions from the Facebook group, and some of these we may have already covered a little bit, and that's okay. We'll just keep moving on. Uh, so starting to gather, this is what someone said from our Facebook group: starting to gather things for taxes. We've heard some people say that it's okay to tell your tax person. I guess that would be someone like you, that you are full-time RVing. Others say it's a bad idea. We do run a business from our rig. So what is, I mean, I'm assuming there's obviously nothing wrong with telling your CPA that you live full-time in an RV and run a business from the road. There's nothing wrong with that, correct? Oh, wow. Nothing at all. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I, think, you, I, mean, I think in order to get more clarity, which means better accuracy and better judgment calls and, and just a better whole situation and experience, with your CPA, you need to tell them you need to, I mean, a CPA, I, I, I mean, I, I see my business as like just a confidant. Like I'm, I want to save as much money in my pocket and not pay the tax man. So I'm going to use the rules that are explicitly stated to the, to, to the best way legally possible to save money. So yeah, you know, shoot, give them all the, 
all the details so that you can accomplish that goal together. So somebody like you guys who are full-timing in your casita, what, if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the things that you guys have written off this year, you know, while on the road and running your business from the road, like office supplies, do y'all write off internet? I mean, or, or, you know, just kind of share with people if you can, some examples from things that you guys (laughs) have been able to write off from your RV, if you don't mind. Yeah. Great, great thing. So like, how I how I try to do it is I try to look through the IRS's eyes and other keywords that the IRS uses for business expenses is ordinary and necessary. So is this is this thing that I'm about to buy ordinary in my industry? And is it necessary for me to purchase to then be able to get to do my job to then get revenue? And what would be so, an example of something like that? Again, Adam told me before we started, he's like, I'm gonna try to be slow to talk. And yeah. fast to think first before saying things because it, I know it is a touchy subject. So yeah, keep going. You're good. Yeah, man. It's like I mean, when you get to Wi-Fi and telephone and data, all these things. There's like percentages. You know, some of it's business, some of it's personal. So I think that that's a very unclear example. I mean, uh, yeah. So how does that work? And you know, we have a uh, unlimited Verizon hotspot. We pay uh, I think 140 mm-hmm. bucks a month for unlimited, which is worth every penny. Uh, so yeah. how does, how does that work? You know, we use it t- probably 90, eh, let's be realistic, 75% of the time, probably for work, 25% Netflix. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> what is that? How does that translate? Can we write off 75% of that? Whew, great question. <laughs> um, it's a very great question. My, how I try to guide folks with this is let's, let's be honest. It's not a hundred percent of business. So therefore, you can't write off whether it's the purchase price or the monthly data, 100% of something like that, a hotspot or a data plan. So my suggestion is to come up with a reasonable method of looking at your numbers, whether it's the amount of gigabytes that you use. I, I say, I say, look at four months. I try to be conservative in my suggestions. Look at four months of a year. Look at your usage. Take the average of those four months, and I feel that that's a reasonable, best method that you could possibly get to try to spread out your business versus your personal usage of a data plan, and, and therefore the actual hardware of of a uh, like a hotspot. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's just so many other methods out there, and I'm sure that there's more technical methods as well. Um, that's a method that I personally use. I haven't seen. Any tax court cases that go against that method? So you take an you take an average of the four months, like say if we use on average 120 gigs a month for our, our Verizon plan, you say that's how much you're typically using for business. So you don't do no the... no no. So so you use 100. So January you use 100 or January. So each month you use 120 gigs, and only 100 of that it or 100 of that is business. So 100 over 120 gives you your percentage for month A, then get month B, C, D, do the same analysis. How many total gigs, how many business gigs gives you an average for each month, each month, four months, average out that month, multiply that total average by your uh, monthly bill. And I feel that that is your best reasonable method and uh, I will put to... I will put that algorithm in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, and I'm so sure that someone's gonna hear this, some other tax practitioner, and just, just, you know, say that there is a better method and blah blah blah. But I mean, that's just what that's what this these rules come down to is judgments and and cost benefit analysis of your time and the reality of if you're gonna get audited and. I mean, it's just like, how can you, how can you possibly win sometimes? You know, it's just, gosh. And and it's hard. Sometimes it is hard to sit and, and really learn all these things because it, it, it is dense. It's not a sexy subject, but at the same time, it has a chance to keep you out of trouble that would cause tons of stress and headache down the road and also save you a lot of money uh, just to know if you're doing things correctly. And to me, it's like it's worth sitting through. Maybe the high school version myself would have tuned out 
but you know, current version of myself, it's like, oh, this is actually very applicable stuff that I can use to save us money when we're on the road because I know what I'm doing. I know what stuff I can and can't write off. And um, and then I can kind of keep track of things. And, and I would assume that there's there's quite a few other areas of running a business on the road, such as taking clients out to eat that doesn't really change. I mean, you can write off, you can still write off your meals and, and things of that nature, correct? Like, there, I mean, obviously that kind of stuff doesn't change or does it? <laughs> I mean, meals is a, so when it comes to meals and travel, that is just a total different ball game that the IRS looks at regarding like your business expenses, as opposed to like a roof stand, you know, a roof stand, I would write that off 100% because that is me. That is just like buying an office chair. Um, because I need that roof stand to work. A roof stand need, is yeah, a little stand for your computer. I have one. I love it. Except I sat on it and broke it last week. So keep going. Yeah. So like so so stuff like office equipment and supplies and and you know software and and uh, hosting you know web hosting and stuff like that. You know those are interchangeable with the RV lifestyle uh, versus uh, sticks and bricks lifestyle. So. So yeah, that's one subset of like business expenses that more or less kind of uh, you can look at through the same lens. Um, but you know, meals, meals and stuff like that, yes, they are also you can look through them through the same lens. But meals in their actual form, the IRS uh, just expects a whole lot more um, with regarding like documentation. And yeah, they, it comes down to that ordinary, ordinary and necessary, um, uh, words again. And, you know, were you actually doing business, uh, having a business discussion that would potentially produce some revenue for your business? Um, those are just some of the things that you kind of need to think about before taking off a meals expense. So we should just be in, so we should just be Instagramming all of our breakfast, lunch, and dinner meetings with prospective clients or, uh, I mean, colleagues. documentation, dude, it wouldn't hurt. It would not hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is like if you were to ever get IRS, the IRS to come audit you, I mean, these folks are not I've been through I've been through an IRS audit and these folks are not like, you know, you're they're regular people and they want to see they're going to. Yeah, they're going to look through the lens of the law. But they also want to see that you like actually, you know, you did your best. Like you, you, you looked at a tax code that is thicker than the Bible times five, and you enlisted someone to help you, got help guide you, and you did the best that you possibly can. You know, so that that, you know, that's just something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, totally. So I have a couple more questions. Uh, one was, which states offer the best tax breaks based on residents? Obviously, those without income tax like Florida, uh, but there are other factors to consider when determining where and how to establish a permanent residence. This is what uh, somebody from the Facebook group asked. What would you say about that? My simple answer to that is to holler at Loring and Associates because those they are the professionals when it comes to domicile and all things of that nature. Okay. I, I will link up to them in the show notes. Do they have a standard? I mean, a lot of people file their residence in Florida. And so you would, you would recommend just reaching out to this company and seeing kind of what they say. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not even going to pretend to try to dive into that wormhole. Yeah. There's tons of benefits from being in different places and there's all kinds of different types of taxes that you may get. I mean, sometimes like Denver, you know, has a occupational tax uh, for just doing business in Denver uh, or having a business in Denver type thing. So there's just, man, that is that is just a whole nother ball game. And uh, yeah, Loring and Associates, they're lawyers that uh, that can help guide you on that. So this is this is another question that somebody asked. I've heard some states trying to claim that after so many days you spent that you've spent enough time there that you owe some state income tax to them. Is there, any tr- is there any truth to this? If so, is there a website or other resource where we can use to say mindful of states that'll want a piece of us if we stay, overstay our welcome? That is uh, 100% correct. Each state has their own laws of what, as to when, what you have to do for them to be able to start wanting some tax money. You know, typically it's, it's a certain amount of days. Uh, if you stay here a certain amount of days. Now with the internet, you know, we have these like, 
click through laws. Whereas like if you did some, if you established, in other words, Nexus to be looking up, if you establish Nexus in the state, uh, even if it's working from your computer and you made some revenue in, and yeah, so that's another. Wait, so what is, so, so go into that again. What is Nexus? So a next Nexus is Adam's terminology for Nexus is the state says, Hey, you did enough business in my state for me to want to tax you. Even, you if, I'm, even if I'm Nexus. just there for a couple of months and I'm working rem- all from my computer, running my business that is registered in a totally different state. If I just stayed there for long enough and had enough clicks on my website or something like that, I that can be charged for that. Hey man, there's these rules coming out that, that I'm not going to say yes to that question right there okay. because each 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 state has their own has their own rules and laws of of how you establish nexus in a state um, and residency residency is another word that'll be tossed around and domicile so the states will will use those words and they have created their own set of rules to ultimately determine whether they're going to want to tax you so how you no I do not to answer your readers' questions, no, I don't know of a source that that lists all states' various rules because honestly, those rules are constantly changing. And funny, you mentioned that there's a uh, there's another CPA, Tim Ewing, um, that me and him are trying to actually create this type of knowledge base. It's a challenge just because the rules are constantly changing. I mean, constantly changing, especially when I when I say this. This click-through law—that's a key term to to Google. Click-through nexus is something that's that a lot of legis- legislators are trying to establish in various states. I know Vermont seems to have a, a pretty uh, interesting click-through law. Um, so yeah, I mean, check that out. So yeah, yeah. Back, what was your initial question? I kind of went. <laughs> I d- I honestly, went don't even. There. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, you got yeah. it. It was uh, she was asking how many state, uh, like how long if you stay in certain states, um, when can they start? You start owing income state tax there, and was there a resource? So, uh, so you start. Yeah. You guys are starting to compile this. Uh, where can people yep. go to learn more on your website? Have you already started building some of this information on your site? No, uh, no, no. Haven't haven't started building that yet. Um, that's going to be a long time coming, and like I said, it's constantly changing. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not on my website. Uh, one thing where they can learn this, though, is to go to the Secretary, Secretary of State or the Department of Revenue uh, for each state. And so the Google search would be, um, you know, state. So New Mexico, Department of Revenue, uh, residency. New Mexico, Department of Revenue, Nexus, uh New Mexico Department of Revenue, uh, part year resident. So these are t- some Google terms that'll that'll try to get you there um, as best as 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 you can, um, because each, like I said, each state has their own rules. Gotcha. And I know tax season is coming up right now, and you're too kind of a guy to throw your services out there and, and sell yourself, but I'll do it for you because you're awesome and you provide a lot of value. So if anybody does need somebody who who's out on the road right now and is traveling, running their business from the road or is an RVer, uh, hit up Adam uh, because he's awesome and he'll take care of you. And like you've said already, so much of this stuff is on a case-by-case issue and it's helpful to have somebody who knows their stuff to look into all these things for you and just have that extra set of eyeballs uh, to make sure that you're filing everything correctly. So where can people find you uh, and reach out to you? Yeah, so my website is newventurecpa.com, N-U-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-C-P-A.com. And uh, yeah, holler at me through there. And I appreciate your your words of encouragement there. And, <laughs> and I'm just going to ask everybody's, all your listeners, Grace, for uh, as you've painfully sat through these uh these attempts at uh, <laughs> these attempts at answering. I mean, it's just so it's so vague, and and then you know I kind of got to watch my butt with what I say and what I don't say, and um, but that's just the nature of, of this this type of industry and this type of situation because we're on a fringe lifestyle. So we're trying to apply our lifestyle to a tax code that was last updated in 1986, and use our best judgment to follow the rules um, when it as on a fringe lifestyle, it may not 100% apply to your, your like black and white to your situation. 
So, I mean, it's a challenge. It is. And I was going to say, I feel like on that note uh, that you said a minute ago, if somebody actually did, and we didn't plan this, but if somebody did actually listen through this whole episode, I think we should give them something. Like, I know you guys, I don't know if y'all have a, like, I'm willing to give you guys a, a free copy of my uh, ebook, The RV Entrepreneur, in a PDF form. If you listen to the end of this episode, shoot me an email, Heath at Campground Booking. And I'll hook you up. I don't know. I just feel like I need to give them something if you listen and made it through this whole episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, you- man. I, that's that's great. That's <laughs> great, bud. Oh, man. That's funny. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for being on the show. And uh, is there anything else that you'd like to leave listeners with? Um, No, I just – maybe just words of encouragement. Like I just know it's it's frustrating. I mean I want to I wanna work on my vehicle by myself. Like I don't want to pay anybody to change my oil or – or to change my brake pads and stuff like that. So I understand like wanting to do things yourself and, and it, it gets frustrating. I mean, you know, I'll, it'll take me like 12 hours to do something a mechanic will do in like three hours and I just get stressed and frustrated and why can't I do it type thing. So, um, but yeah, you know, sometimes I persevere with these little projects and sometimes I just uh, say the heck with it and pay somebody else to do it. So if you're one of those that are still doing it yourself, I just want to encourage you that you can, you know, that the uh, taxes are meant for you to be able to do yourself. And on behalf of of our country's tax code, I apologize that you're pulling <laughs> your hair and your eyebrows out with trying to analyze all this stuff. But there is hope and you can find the answers. Just be patient. Uh, so just encouragement that you, can, you really can do it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. Until Lindsay, I said hello. I will until Alyssa. I said, "Hey, man, thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it really is an honor. This community that you've great, you've created is amazing. Thanks, brother. I appreciate. it. We'll see you on the road. All right, see you, man. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathandalyssa.com forward slash episode forty six. And if you have any specific topics or guests you'd like me to have on the show, feel free to reach out to me anytime, heath at campgroundbooking.com. Also, if you did happen to finish it, make all the way to the end of this episode, uh, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to hook you up with a free copy of the RV Entrepreneur ebook just for listening and tuning in because I know this episode was perhaps a little bit more dense than normal and more tactical, but I still hope it was valuable for you guys. And again, if you're enjoying, I'd love for you to subscribe in iTunes, leave a review for the RV Entrepreneur. It just takes a minute and it goes a really long way. I think we're up to 133 reviews at the time of recording this. But you guys are awesome. I hope you're having a good day wherever you are. And I'll see you next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.